Way of the Servant, Book One. Servantship. It appears an odd word, yet within it lies the meaning of sacrifice, of love, of true being. Servantship is a vocation to which one is called, not by a God who exists apart from you, but by that one true God who abides eternally in the heart of one's heart and is forever the soul of one's soul. For the one true God is your only reality, and in this does the recognition dawn that you, who would insist on the smallness of yourself as you have dreamt it to be, contain in truth all wisdom, that you contain all perfections holy men would so diligently seek and ignorant men would mistakenly seek in the destitution of their worldly dreams. That one true God to whom you are eternally united, so that no boundary between you can be distinguished, is that which has sustained the infinite forms of your dreams, their incessant creation fueled by the one thought of separation. And now, in the time of recognition, after the allure of the dream has paled and finally lost all trace of significance, and in that perfect silence where the sleeping sun no longer rebels against the simple and loving embrace of the Holy Father, the light of the living Christ is rekindled. As a flame in the windless place, its light grows ever brighter, dissolving all traces of the shadows which have kept it hidden, lighting up the dark places where the dust which is the world has settled until even the dust is dissolved and becomes as light itself. The doer is undone. The maker of the world is unmade and Christ again lives. Here, the end of all fruitless journeying. Here, the ceasing of all strife. Here, the realisation of the only truth beyond all utterance, beyond the understanding of the world, beyond even the dream of the one who would seek God. For the seeker is no more, as if he had never been, save as a fading memory of a dream dreamt long ago. Return to the embrace of our Holy Father, the one who has returned acknowledges, I am that one. Christ lives and Christ alone, as it is, has been, and forever shall be. The awakened heart is likened unto one who has journeyed to the summit of the highest mountain. Here she looks out upon the distances travelled, the many landscapes stretching out below her, the seemingly infinite shapes and hues. She beholds all the worlds of mankind and sees them as empty, as a moment's diversion, fragments of but one dream. She beholds herself as the one dreamer, and she would that every vestige of herself be nudged from sleep to waking. And now the transformation is completed. Resting in the light of remembrance, embraced eternally in the arms of his father, the only begotten son abides in the kingdom prepared for him in that most ancient beginning before time is.
Her will has become as her father's, united again as one. The first movement of that divine will stirs in the vision before her. Compassion arises for the whole of creation and she sees without effort the task set before her. The awakening of the whole of herself, now recognised as every soul, every blade of grass, every wisp of breeze, awakened as the source of all things, existing in all things, the one Son united with the Holy Father, the brief dream of the prodigal son vanquished, looks out upon himself with but one desire, awaken, restore to her rightful place at the right hand of the Holy Father, purified of all distortions, born of a moment's dream, a movement begins. Felt in the heart, it expands first upward, upward beyond the crown of the head, then outward, filling every cell of a body transfigured, brought ever more to the form of a vehicle that will serve only the fulfilment of her task. And then, when the Father and the Son together have prepared the body and mind of Christ, the movement of divine will becomes downward, compelling the arisen Christ to step deliberately and without haste in the direction of all that now lies before him, far below him, spread as far as the eye can see, slumbering at the base of this great Mount Zion. Now her steps become more certain. Now his steps become ever lighter, unburdened from the weight of a self that never was, yet clamoured for a food which never satisfied. Now her steps become ever more directed from a source perfectly trusted, and with each step, Dissolving is any need to know where she goes, what she shall eat or what she shall wear, for her father knows she has need of these things. He knows but only one thing. He goes as the wind, caring not the direction of his travels, remembering not the direction of his coming, abiding always in the light of the Holy Father. Behold, the servant is born. For the first shall be last, and the last first. The only begotten son dreams, and in his dream is forgotten that which eternally he is. And the first has become last, even as the creation of innumerable worlds arises, replacing the splendour of remembrance with the lifeless, enchanting, ever-changing form of mere illusions. And the last has become as the first. Yet, within the worlds of her dream lies the crystal-clear gem of reality. For the unspeakable love which the Father is illuminates the dream of the Son, granting her perception of all that she would choose to perceive. And the Father merely waits, abiding wholly in the purity of his light, seeing naught but the splendour of his Son, 
waiting for the one who lays dreaming to awaken. The first is indeed now last, and what must always be last, mere illusions cast by and within the mind of the sun, has become first. The kingdom is forgotten. Habituated to the play of shadows, no more than projections of his momentary thought, the sun suffers the worlds of his own making, revelling in transitory pleasures, revelling in transitory pleasures, enduring the pain of countless wounds, yet he continues on, proliferating the worlds of experience, seeking ever more desperately for what he has long forgotten, knowing not what it is he seeks, calling by various names, striving endlessly to discover his salvation in the worlds he has made, insisting it be found there. And the father waits, abiding in the purity of his light seeing naught but the radiant splendour of his son. The maker of the world, but not of reality, unknowingly remains impelled to experience again and yet again the fruit of pride, vanity of vanities. Insisting on her chosen thought, enmeshed in a deepening web of shadow, yet she cries out desperately in the aloneness of her soul. I am, I create, my will be done. And still, the father waits, abiding in the purity of his light, seeing naught but the radiant splendour of his beloved son. And the offspring of light divine wanders from world to world, ceaselessly moved to act, seeking without knowing he seeks, searching for the kingdom without knowing he searches, creating and devouring the forms of his apparently endless dream, an impulse begins to grow. At first unnoticed, soft and seemingly far away, Overwhelmed by the noise and conflicts of his making, it grows. Through endless circles and a myriad of landscapes, ceaselessly through agonies and ecstasies disguised in infinite masks, it grows, becoming as a voice whispering beyond the threshold of his hearing, whispering a song forever eternal forever untouched by a single jot or tittle of all that the sun experiences. It is a song of truth beyond all doubt, a song of reality uncompromised, a song which sings of the imperishable essence, the very essence of his being, a song which is the love of the Holy Father, Though the voice sings the song without ceasing, the sun hears it not. Her ears turned not to the voice whose song is like one crying in the wilderness, but to the din of ephemeral shadows cast upon the walls of her prison, recognising not the light which lights all darkness, believing still that darkness to be the light she would seek, 
the light that will illuminate her way and reveal the treasure she believes resides there. And still the Father waits, abiding in the purity of his light, seeing naught but the radiant splendour of his only begotten, his beloved, his Son eternal. Still the sun travels through valleys of the shadow of death, climbing mountains made of the stone of stones of uncertainties, fording rivers whose far shores often cannot be seen, rivers wild with a tumult of emotions, arising like angry waves from depths already seething in memories clutched tightly in the grasp of one who believes in shadow and worships it, knowing not that he does so. And still the father waits, abiding always in the purity of his light, rejoicing in the perfection of his son, waiting for the child to make but one simple, quiet choice, to awaken. As she travels on, there comes now a moment here and again there, moments sadly fleeting, yet filled with the clarity of the song that calls unto her. Were she to turn but for an instant and embrace what the moment would offer, the journey would be no more, the simple choice recognised and made. It is but his weariness that forces him to pause, to rest in that silence which is the doorway to his heart, where alone fulfilment resides. The treasure rests in the palm of her hand yet she comprehends it not. Habituated only to the grasping of illusion, she has not the capacity to recognise what has touched her. The light of the father that would loosen the knot binding her to enchantment with unceasing emptiness. Believing himself restored and himself the restorer, he plunges headlong once again, going on, Going where? He mistakes his endless circling for clear di direction to the finality he would make. Failing to see, he travels but the same valleys, the same mountains, the same rivers. Cleverly cloaking these with her own shifting perceptions, she beguiles herself into believing not that she sees differently, but that what she sees is different and new. And yet the father waits, ever so patient, with his beloved son, abiding eternally in the knowledge beyond comprehension that the dream his son would dream in truth exists not, rejoicing without ceasing in the radiance of his holy child, untouched eternally by the illusion of sin. A deepening wariness grows in the heart of the dreamer, a wariness neither understood nor recognised by the mind accustomed to shadows, nor a body blind to the seed of light within it. The dreamer moves on, yet the weariness remains within him, unvanquished by his fruitless pause, restored not by his habitual escape from shadows. 
Disconcerted, she moves along familiar byways, increasingly unable to blot out this persistent, though subtle weariness, an ache that remains with her, no matter the form or intensity of her efforts to be free of it. And now fear arises. It is a fear unlike any he has experienced within his countless journeys in the fields of illusions. Not a fear from which he can hide, nor a fear he can successfully suppress by heaping upon it the weight of ever more enchantments. It is a fear to which she is unaccustomed, for it stems not from her experience of the world, but grows quietly from and remains present within the core of her being. Intensifying his efforts to find solace in the changing landscape of his dreams serves only to confirm the reality of his fear. Unlike anything she has yet encountered, this fear becomes a constant though unwelcome companion. It becomes as a child who increasingly refuses to be ignored, and the dreamer of a thousand worlds, proud author of a multitude of illusions, survivor of numerous heavens and hells, trembles. In his trembling, he does not pause in his vain pursuits as much as he is made to stop, and looking at what he would resist seeing, he beholds the salt of the world has begun to lose its savour. Weariness, perceived as fear, appears to her as an unknown force from which she cannot hide, yet cannot embrace. It seems to run before her as she scampers first up one hill, greeting her face to face at the summit and fording rivers swum countless times before she emerges only to find it waiting on the far shore. Beginning to sense that this unknown force is not to be cast aside, the dreamer laments within himself and in the midst of all his doing, the faint echo of a sound he has forever dreaded is heard. The doer of all deeds is shaken. The foundation of his creations wobbles and weakens. He beholds the force within himself and, for the first time, acknowledges his impending death. Though she acts within her worlds, striving to continue in the only way she knows, seeking fervently the return and remain in familiar terrain, the forms of her dream hold not their enticing allure, and her efforts to remain in all that she knows provide no satisfaction. Her thirst is not fulfilled, and even her sleep is troubled. The dreamer, saddened by the growing loss of luster beheld in his dreams, becomes as one who grasps at mirages, finding naught but emptiness in his hands, yet continues to grasp because it is all he knows to do. She waits for a death she is sure will come, both loathing it and secretly longing for it. She is defeated, but knows not how, nor by what. 
the dreams that throughout countless lifetimes have fed him with the promise of fulfillment wither like parched leaves clinging to branches whose source of water is mysteriously severed from unseen roots while the power of his life drains from his limbs. The proud dreamer has not the energy to dream and believes beyond question that where there are not dreams, there is not life and the growing emptiness is a torment to him. She raises her head only occasionally and feebly, hoping to the end to see in her dreams the life she had always sought there. Finally, wearied to the bone of fighting what he senses he cannot but cannot see, of what he feels but cannot grasp, the dreamer releases not only the last vestige of his will to dream but lays down even the dream of the dreamer and dissolves into what he knows must certainly be his final and consummate death. And the first shall be last, and the last first. And now the dreamer is laid to rest. It is a rest from which there can be no hope of arising. Unlike the many pauses in which the maker of all worlds merely retreated to gain strength for his journeys, this rest transcends the world. It transcends the body, the mind, and all that the dreamer had thought himself to be. It is a rest in which even the soul reclines, turned away from all enchantments dissolved in the mystery of all mysteries, beyond the pale of words, beyond all imagined things. Verily, the dreamer is no more to be found, vanished without a trace, not only of her ending, but of her beginning. The journey which seemed to be is not, and the last made to be first is again become last, not by a force which comes from outside the dreamer, but a force which already abides in the very seed of the dreamer's beginning. The certainty of his death is present in his birth and must inevitably flower, its petals blotting out the very dream of the dreamer itself. Yet what is perceived by the dreamer as the darkness of certain death, the giving up of all hope for salvation in the things of the world she has conjured into being, is not darkness, but light. It is that light which lights all things, the echo of an endless song coming as a thief in the night the eternal voice of our Holy Father. And the voice has overcome the shouting of the world, restoring the sun to a rest true and deep, a rest which alone can heal and transform the heart of his Holy Son. The one who would be the dreamer of all worlds rests unseen by, the, by a world unaware of what occurs in its midst. All boundaries that have defined her form dissolved in incomprehensible light. 
the sun abides in the rest of perfect grace. What was last and made first is again made last. And all the heavens rejoice beyond the capacity of the world to hear. And now is the world entranced by the power of its dreams, lifted gently toward the open arms of God. At the end of a holy instant, incapable of measurement by a world imprisoned in time, the rest of the only begotten Son of God gives rise to a movement not born of a mind bound to the illusion of separation, but of the eternal heart of the arisen Christ, a movement that would take him not back into the dream of the world, but ever deeper into the reality of his being, a journey within the kingdom of heaven. Awaken the mind free from the shackles of want, the body free from useless demands made by a self that never was, a heart beating only by the breath of the Most High, the arisen Christ moves where once the world arose, seeing naught but the glory of his Father's kingdom, radiance beyond description, joy without boundary, purpose in which fulfilment is certain. Here, no trace of effort is to be found. Here, no taint of striving clouds is perception. Here, no constriction of the heart by the grand illusion of fear is felt. Reduced to simplicity, Exalted above all things, the one transformed by the miracle of grace lives and walks. Behold, the dreamer now transformed is reborn as the one through whom the Father alone works to transfigure the world. For darkness shall become as light, extended without end until creation itself is no more. Indeed, the first is again first, as it was in the beginning, is now and forever shall be. The prodigal son is returned and all of heaven is shaken by the praise of the heavenly host. The father and the son rest together as one in that peace which forever passes all understanding. To any among you who has ears to hear, let her hear, and all things are made new.